Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Caroline, Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, Derek. Thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. And maybe we should start with a tear in the sky. You have that uh, there in your background here on our, on our Zoom call. And we, I, we just watched this, uh, this documentary film. The, should we just drop the, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing, the tear in the sky, the name of the film, <laughs> is essentially you documented a wormhole opening right there in California. Um, what, what was that experience like when you sort of first realized what you had seen? Well, uh, first of all, I want to mention that I called the, na- the film A Tear in the Sky two years ago. In other words, before, you know, pre-production even. Whoa. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, because I'm fascinated by not just the UFO itself, it's more the mechanics of the universe. You know, 
what is it in the space uh, time fabric that allows an anomaly to happen, you know, so I have my own theory on that is, you know, I, I think we are um, inside a sort of a network of wormholes, actually. Um, and it's the, it's the patterning of space itself. And those, this network has specific nodes that allow some sort of anomaly to happen because this is where the magnetic field is kind of warped, you know, it's, uh, so, so I think these nodes are all over, all around us, underneath us as well, below us. Um, and I want to know how they work. (laughs) So I think the closest thing that science is, you know, talking about it, um, in, um, in, in terms of a potential wormhole. So anyway, that was my fascination. And, and because this is where we see UFOs appear, disappear, do strange things, I, I called the film A Tear in the Sky. Um, and sure enough, you know, we wanted to find anomalies, which we did, and not just any anomalies, but towards the end of the movie, as you're mentioning, um, all of a sudden we discover this sort of tear, basically, with objects. So coming out of it so so yeah i mean it's kind of prophetic in a way <laughs> and, and you did uh, not realize you had named it already beforehand that's that's incredible yeah and nobody can figure out what it is so so people who are just listening you know um we had scientists like real nuts and bolts scientists hardcore scientists on the team during the investigation but also others are looking at this footage and I haven't had one scientist come out and say, oh, we know what this is. This is blah, 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 you know, or something. So it's, it's kind of historic in a way, whatever it ends up being, it's, it's pretty crazy that we stumbled on something like this. So I've, I've been in, uh, you know, I was uh, in a PhD program in uh, virology. We were studying in Yellowstone in the hot springs and there's, there's these moments along the trajectory when it's like you you see something that is kind of unique. You you, you know film an anomaly and you're like, okay, then you start exploring. Okay, what is this? What are the possible explanations? What is the information that I actually have? Where do you feel like you are in the trajectory of exploring this and explaining it? Well, actually, uh, there's still a long ways to go because. Um, first, well, we wanted to get the movie out, of course. So we have quite a bit of data already in the film. Uh, We've ruled out everything we can think of. And again, it's not me or some woo-woo person. You know, these are scientists. So they know they're not going to just jump to conclusion and say it's this or that. So the preliminary kind of analysis has been done and it's in the film. Uh, But... So, so we know it's not this, it's not, it's not radiation, it's not whatever. People have to watch the film to really see how that whole discovery unfolds. But um, so, so it's explained in the film already. But uh, now we also have 600 hours of other footage and other things that we came home with. 
And so they're, they continue to analyze not just this phenomenon, but everything else. And it takes forever. It's like months. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so right now we, we know the size, the shape, where it's located, uh, what type of, we know it's physical objects that kind of come out of it, you know, appear, disappear. We know the size. Um, so that's quite a bit already. Uh, but really, we have to wait for the scientists to go through more detail and also the other footage as well to perhaps put it together. Although the other phenomena that we captured uh, could also be unrelated, you know, because everything that we uh, captured had its own kind of properties. You know, some things were uh, appearing tilting, changing shape and disappearing. Other things were kind of hovering. Uh, so other things were like literally like flying down, you know, raining down. So, so we captured so many different types of anomalies that it's going to take a, many months for these scientists to come out with uh, more specific details. Did you choose this area? Is it known as a high UFO traffic area or why why this particular location yeah it's a, it was already known but also what happened is because uh the first cast member that i had what that i found uh actually was kevin day who was the radar the navy radar guy who um saw the the tic tac uh ufo mm-hmm. That the navy released in 2017 and so was it 17 2020 uh but uh but anyway so so he was the first witness and he um when i when i was researching in pre-production okay who's going to be in the film you know it's like how what is this film about um and i stumbled on kevin day and his, so he told me that he had a team together and he's been dreaming of doing this scientific expedition. He said he already has a couple of scientists on board. He's got um, this incredible person, inventor, who had a huge amount of equipment, very sophisticated things. And I was like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> and ah. so, yeah, so this is how it came about. Normally, I go out and I kind of put a team together from scratch. But he convinced me that this, you know, they had never done an expedition before. They were kind of just planning and hoping to do it. And so I come along. It was perfect. And so because of that, because he was the Navy guy and a couple of other people were on the same ship, the USS Princeton in 2004, um, we looked at it and we're like, okay, that was in Catalina. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In the Catalina area. And then there were other ships as well. In 2014, I want to say in 17, um, the USS Omaha, the USS Kidd, uh, all Navy ships descri- having similar experiences. Tic-tac-like objects literally swarming around the ships and doing crazy stuff and so it was kind of logical in a way you know it's it's not just one isolated incident there's this whole trail you know of of uh, things happening in that area so the idea was could we go back to that area and see what's there and the odds of actually capturing like we literally captured things that were exactly the same shape and like going against the wind just like they were describing so that was insane you know I was just like hoping for anything that was significant but we had multiple things uh at the end of the day so definitely this area there's some stuff going on for sure yeah my theory after watching the film was that it's a spaceport was that it's a place where different ships species come in and out and you know perhaps that wormhole is like the main runway the main entry and exit point um just because you guys did get such a you know for five days you got pretty good stuff it wasn't like you you just went you picked a random place and you were like oh there's ufos all over the place um (laughs) is what's your theory about uh why you had so many uh good observations there yeah exactly it's exactly what you said derek it's it's that Remember, I was talking earlier about those nodes within the fabric of space-time. And those nodes, it's kind of like, you know, I see it as the magnetic field condensing, you know, creating some sort of warp where it gets so charged that you you almost like, uh, if you have an anti-gravitational vehicle or technology, you can literally just kind of zip through space or appear or disappear because that's also, it's potentially a bending light, you know, uh, with this warp. So if it's bending light, it's possible that we see it, then we don't see it. So I think that area is definitely located exactly at this hub point exactly Hmm. and so uh that's the reason why the ufos whether it's ours or somebody else's that's a different conversation you know um are using that particular spot what do you you think it's uh earth human ships or what's who do you think it is well um it's, I think it's a little bit of everything. That's another thing that I want people to, that was very clear to me, especially after making this film, um, that it's not one thing. And uh, because of the types of things that we recorded, uh, I think the things that are more physical, you know, we see a lot of uh, orb-like things, but actual physical things that are moving strangely or you know, or or triangles. I believe the more physical object, more material objects are human-made technology. Whether it's ours or somebody else's, that's a different question, but I think a a lot of it is ours. Um, And But other things that we've captured on camera um, and through these other types of devices are definitely not human technology because... 
some of the things that that I've seen is almost half organic you know it's kind of like light and it materializes and then it warps and then it changes shape and then it becomes material again and then not material again I mean that sort of technology is is way way beyond what humans know how to do yeah it's really fascinating just as an observer you know if if as somebody listening or watching if you haven't just gone and watched different people's UFO footage, you know, cell phone footage or, or wherever. There's a whole array of different types of ships, and but these these um, things that are blobby or lights or you know amorphous uh, sort of living light structures are just really fascinating um, from a from an observer standpoint. Yeah, and 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 look at the technology we have right now for space travel. You know, it's like. Um, the most advanced is, uh, you know, to, uh, we're going to Mars, it's going to take like 68 years or something like that, or isn't that the case, you know, and uh, we're using this primitive uh, propulsion system, you know, first, let's get to the moon, then let's get to Mars, then let's get, and yeah. it's like, what, you're supposed to, it's going to take you, you know, hundreds of years to get to the edge of the galaxy, thousands of years, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make sense, you you know, so there's got to be a technology, there's got to be a system, a universal system in place that allows intelligent life on different planets to remain in contact and communication. It doesn't make sense. <clears throat> whoever invented, you know, whoever created, however this universe was created, you know, to think that, okay, we're going to create these billions of stars and billions of you know planets and galaxies and this and that i mean you know just look on this one planet you know there's thousands of breeds of animals and plants and and different types of humans and so whatever's behind all of this you know whatever it is is it possible that they said oh okay well we're gonna create planets there's going to be planets there's going to be intelligent life but nobody can communicate or get you know from one place to another it's like you know it's everybody's so isolated you know it's it's it just doesn't make sense i feel like the universe works as a whole and the fact that we're not advanced technologically it doesn't mean that that i mean that that's the way we sh we're supposed to operate. It's like, we're not there yet, you know? So I'm, I'm a hundred percent convinced that uh, the most advanced civilizations open to that potential, you know, more universal laws that govern the universal, the mechanics of the universe itself and based their civilization and their technology on this larger intelligence which is to to be able to communicate from any point um in space to the other to be able to teleport transport everything becomes based on the same principle and so i think that's how they're getting here they're not spending thousands and thousands of years to get here and they're like what they die on the ship before they get here you know I mean, it just doesn't make sense yeah and i love that you mentioned you know, our plan is this: it, we're using rockets, right? We're essentially pooping out uh, flames to to go, which is, you know, train train technology, steam steam 
yeah. combustion technology, you know, you know, so it's like, we're on this track of like, we got to blow stuff up in order to move, which, uh, you know, is just one line of thinking really. Yeah. And I know that there are scientists working on anti-gravitational. In fact, we do have the technology and it's like in black, whatever programs or whatever. Uh, but there's still millions of people. I mean, SpaceX and all, you know, the rockets that we keep sending up and, you know, in space. I mean, we're talking, you know, these guys are spending millions of dollars on that technology. If they have anti-gravitational in, in an open way, why are they, you know, as a cover-up? That's kind of stupid. <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's like, let me just go spend, you know, millions of dollars just to tell you know, to fake it, to tell the world that that's all we know how to do, doesn't make sense. So I think, you know, there's all the politics and all the agendas and who knows, you know, to keep us in this dark age. Uh, but I guarantee that's not how the universe works. That's not how we're meant to exist on this isolated planet. You know, it's, so I feel, so that's another reason why I, I feel this film and of course, there's more to come. Um, and the previous one that you saw as well, um, always point to something much bigger, like the bigger story, you know, um, and to put ourselves in the context of this bigger intelligence to figure out what is really going on. And can you just uh, say what the different uh, instruments you were and the different things that you were measuring in the film um, for those science listeners that, that are curious. Yeah. So uh, when we were planning the film, of course, most people who see UFO footage, um, you know, 99% of what's out there, it's usually just a regular camera, you know, sometimes it's a couple and sometimes, and sometimes there's many witnesses looking at the same thing. So sometimes it's night vision, uh, which is good too. But what we wanted to do is cover the entire spectrum. You can't do a scientific investigation and just have a couple of cameras. So we had a huge amount of optical devices. So regular cameras, night vision, which measure the short range of infrared. But then we had the FLIR cameras. Each camera is like $50,000. This is military grade oh, stuff. Wow. Yeah, and we had eight of those. Um, and these measure, uh, it's 10 times the infrared range than the commercial, you know. So you're seeing uh, in, a lot, in great detail uh, the uh, thermal signature of the object, for example. And so we had that for optical. We also had radiation detectors, spectrum analyzers, uh, RF detectors, magnetometers. So it's like, we really covered the spectrum of physics, you know, all at once. And um, we were running all these devices 24 seven. And also to achieve triangulation, we, um, we also positioned ourselves in multiple locations as well. So now we have the opportunity to really analyze this data scientifically, because then we have correlations across these multiple devices. And with this particular event, the actual tear, what was it that clued you off to go and sort of, um, did somebody see it with their eyes or did, uh, was it, um, yeah, what was the event that said, okay, let's, let's look at the other 
footage or the other data to, to correlate it. And the, this is something you cannot see with your eyes because it was so fast. And okay. so this is, so what we were doing is we were, you know, filming, you know, 12 hours a day or what have you. But then the, the, you know, so when we were filming, we were observing the skies and doing that in real time. But then at the same time, we had all the devices recording uh, all kinds of data. So like the rest of the, some, during that time, other team members were looking at the data, you know, like, and, and then when you look at the data, it's frame by frame. Now you can't zip through. If you zip through it, you just miss it. Yeah, so, yeah. so this is how it was caught. It was caught by looking at, we're like, what? Something is strange there. And of course, the first thing we do, and we think it's a camera glitch, you know, because that, you know, okay. But of course, you know, it's not a camera glitch. It's not this, it's not that, it's not, you know. So, and then when we look frame by frame, we see these objects, you know, it's like, so it's, it's, uh, that's how that one was discovered. Yeah, I was wondering if there's some algorithmic AI way to, you know, if you have frame by frame for 24 hours a day for five days, um, you know, that like pings like, okay, anomaly here, anomaly here, and then you can go back and put the human eyes on it. Yeah, so some of the devices already had that software uh, within them. So, for example, it would dismiss anything that registers hard that looks like that, I mean, that uh, flight signature is is like a an airplane, you know, obviously, uh, or a bird, or a bug, or um, uh, you know, like a satellite. So, so we're already we already have those softwares in not at all the devices, but in in some of them where you don't even waste time. But even with that, you still have to. It's it's a both thing. You still have to. Once you eliminated all the obvious things, you still have to kind of make sure you didn't miss something. And that's how we do. We do it with our naked eye, but also with that type of software. So it's, it's a combination of both. What, in, uh, what do you want to do next with this information <laughs> that you have? Or sort of like, where do you see this going? Oh my God, this, I think this is the beginning of something huge. I mean, first of all, we are the first civilians ever, ever to come out and uh, do something, have uh, capture anomalies across multiple devices, um, across multiple spectrum of physics, like I said, from acoustic to optical to this to that to radiation. And so, so that's already a first and the types of anomalies that we found, I mean, I don't know which scientist is going to come out and tell us, oh, it's this or that. No one's, no one's has done that before. You would think that because we, because, you know, I'm not sure how the scientific community is like looking at it or not, but some, some scientists who weren't in the film um, are in contact with us and are have seen the film and i still don't have an explanation you know these are astrophysicists these are you know all kinds of different types of you know physicists as well um astronomers and things like that so so because of that i feel like oh my god we have to keep we have to keep looking and trying to understand what this is so so we have to go back 
um, this area or other areas uh, based on more of the data that we keep discovering uh, to to really uncover what this is because uh, it's a lot more and a lot bigger than just capturing UFOs and saying, oh, it's our technologies, their technologies. What we are potentially tapping into is what I was saying, the mechanics of this fabric of space-time. I mean, can you imagine? So we definitely have to keep going. And are scientists asking for your data or what's it's sort of the broader community that wasn't in the film? What, uh, how are they interacting with you guys? Yeah, so so some some of them are asking, and and so the group that uh, that did that was in the film, the UAPX. Yeah. So they yeah. are, and because the scientists that are part of that group, they are the ones analyzing, you know, and it's taking them forever because <laughs> it's taking forever, and uh, they will release. In fact, that's another first. Uh, they are um, going to write a science paper. That also has never been done before, a science paper on UFOs, on the data. So, And then they're going to release all the data at the same time. Uh, however, I think, you know, if there are, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the official way of how they're going um, about it in with the scientific community. They'll also be talking at different conferences and making presentations here and there. So um, to so tell the, us so where the they're film is uh the the actual scientific results are still in process the film is like kind of an early uh you know here's our best preliminary results you can see them um and we're gonna establish more of the um results you know to to explain more clearly over over time like. yeah i mean so there's quite a bit of you know, understand why we even picked those anomalies to be in the film because it's an, it was enough data to tell them 100% it's an anomaly. Now, as in terms of the properties of this anomaly, what is this thing? How does it fly? That is, there's, it's still being identified. But the mm -hmm. fact that it is an anomaly that has 100% been identified, otherwise, we wouldn't include it in the film. You know, otherwise, you know, we can't, you know, so, so it's quite, it's enough in the film to see the things that were ruled out by the scientists as, you know, uh, that had mundane explanations and for them to say, these are the ones that we know hundred percent don't make sense, <laughs> you know, from a physics standpoint. Um, so, so they may find more detail like for example we have the size of these objects we have the shapes so they could have maybe they'll be able to to have more discussion in terms of what type of matter it is i'm not sure but i'm saying like mm -hmm. there's enough already in there and there's additional things that didn't make it in the film so it, it's quite a big you know undertaking for sure yeah. And personally, I would really like if you have, you know, sort of the specific location in the sky where this was, you know, just watch it for a while and see if it's a repeating event or, you know, if you can find, you know, I would also be curious about places like Sedona where there's, you know, regular activity. If you could find the same uh, wormhole type event matching in one of those locations. That's exactly the idea, because uh, is this repeatable? Is it, is, it, is it something 
that gets created? Like, can an object actually trigger that warping in that location? But then when the object is not there, it's not there. Or as we were discussing, no, 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 that's, a, that's where the magnetic field warps. Therefore, you're always going to see, you know, that's kind of a big question. And that's, and that's exactly what we're going to keep doing. And, uh, you know, we're working on all of that. Just think about this. I mean, this is, it's crazy. It's historic. Like, I mean, to have captured, they just showed us a couple of days ago, pictures of the wormhole uh, of the black hole at the center of the galaxy. I don't know if you mm. were watching that, you know, and so, you know, and here we are like civilians, you know, <laughs> you know, capturing stuff very close to the earth. I mean, so, so at least I'm hoping that it would open the conversation. What could this be? And I know you have uh you know, personal abilities to perhaps re remote view and get guidance from other sources. Um, have you had anyone look at trying to get information either through channeling or remote viewing? Like what is going on with what you've observed, like to get information from a different perspective? I did. <laughs> okay, fantastic. But what happened, so you have to know that the scientists in this film, I work with different types of scientists, but in this film, they're very hardcore scientists. They're like, there's no way you could be talking about consciousness or entanglement with my, you know, forget it. And so, so I was like, okay, well, that wasn't, that wasn't the purpose of the film anyway, so it didn't matter. But on a personal level, especially I was the one funding the film. I was like, oh, my God, you know, this, this is a huge investment. This is a huge undertaking. And, you know, what if like nothing happens, <laughs> you know, in those five days? So so I, so I kept I said, I'm going to do my own thing. And I know how to communicate and I know how to because I've done all kinds of, you know, types of remote viewings, among other things. And so I was like, okay, guys, give me something, <laughs> you know, just one thing. And um, that's significant, obviously. And uh, I just knew, I mean, that something was going to happen July 14th. And so... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we planned the expedition the week, uh, you know, starting July 12th to the 16th. And sure enough, the first sighting that was in real time actually happened July 14th. And so, but it wasn't that, you know, amazing. So I, I'd be like in my hotel room. <laughs> no, it was great. At the time, we didn't know how important it was. It was just, 
it looked like an orb that was like hovering and doing weird stuff and then it disappeared so but but then later we saw more correlations and more correlations and triangulations so so then i would go to my hotel room and i'd be like <laughs> come on you know something something and so it was it was stuff like that based on my own precognition you know my own way of remote viewing um in fact it's funny just this morning i had a flash i remembered that in fact i want i want to find that piece of paper i wanted to see what was in that area and i saw a bunch of um kind of yeah like elongated things that they weren't going sideways they were coming down and there was a bunch of them they were coming down and going up and i thought what is that that's not a ufo what you know that was before the movie right mm-hmm. but i was trying to remote view and see and i just left it I, I didn't pay attention and i actually drew it and i sent it to uh david mason who's the equipment guy so I just remembered that that's what it was. And now I'm just flashing to one scene in the movie yeah. where there's these things that are literally raining down. So, so it was some of that, you know, abilities or whatever you call, I'm just like that. I could, I know how to tap into information and retrieve information. And that was very helpful. I, what you're describing, I believe the experience on the, navy ships the sort of the tic tacs kind of were they going even in and out of the water like from sort of mid elevation twenty thousand feet like into the water and back out and then also yes. yeah okay and we capture some of those as well not tic tac but you know they look like objects kind of coming down flashing in the water do you remember that scene yeah that's really interesting and the um when i've heard people talking about the anti-gravitic technology um then the sort of hybrid water air vehicle becomes you know you're essentially in a gravity bubble the ship is in its own field and so it's just as fast to fly through water as it is through air so it's not it's not the same as like we think of you know submerging yeah um okay wow Yeah. Um, so people people really need to watch like what we're talking about to experience like what is that? You know, like that's another thing. The typical UFOs that you see on YouTube are are in the movie too, actually. But some things that we capture are so unique. So you I mean, so so now the phenomenon is even more complex <laughs> because we're kind of added to the story. But I think we're we're the way that is headed, the way we're headed is where it's going to bring it all together. Because if we understand, you know, again, the mechanics of the whole that's behind all of it, then everything else is going to have an explanation. I'm curious about, you called these guys, you know, hardcore scientists and they don't want to pay attention to remote viewing data or, consciousness related information um at at what point you know would it make sense or how do you think these guys will eventually start taking advantage of that all these extra sources of information that are available when they hit that wall and i know that's going to happen 
because they're going to come up with explanation after explanation. And at one point they're going to say, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. Uh, I have met several scientists. One of them is actually Travis, Travis in the movie, Travis Taylor. You know, he was very hardcore scientist. Uh, I met him, I don't know, like eight, I don't remember, but many years ago. And maybe we should say hardcore materialist scientist. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I remember because we we are on the same show, you know, Ancient Aliens and Unexplained and things like that. And uh, and sometimes we would do conferences together. So we'd hang out in the green room. And, you know, so I remember talking to him that one time. And then I said, hey, you know, I want to, I'm doing this film and I want to interview you. And he said, and it was so, he was so like hard, like it's, I can only talk about hardcore science. And I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, we do want science, so it's okay. Anyway, so that was like way back. And then he's been working on Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know if you know that show and mm-hmm. encountering himself, uh, having those direct experiences, all sorts of crazy anomalies. Although he also, he was, he, I think he did write something about consciousness. But then when he had those direct experiences himself on another show, he started to totally, and he started to see the correlation between, is this all a coincidence? Like, you know, there is some sort of interaction. So now he's amazing to work with because Uh, he's got this real scientific background, but at the same time, he's so open to, this could be possible. There must be a connection, you know, with consciousness, with mind. Of course, we don't know. I mean, they don't know how to prove it and or look at it, but I'm just saying like how, some scientists are kind it's when it hits when they hit a wall they don't have any more answers and then they start having experiences then you can't deny it yeah and and that's a hallmark of a good scientist right if you're observing things then you you know a lot of times it starts with an observation and then you say well i can't discount my own lived experience so might as well try to explain it i mean that's that's exactly what happened to me uh Oh, wild stuff was happening for years. And I was like, well, this is a little too magical just to be coincidence. So, and the way I see it is all this stuff, if it's, if I'm experiencing it, then there's a fundamental law of the universe that's making it possible. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm interested in that because come on, it's, it's too many coincidences, too many people, too many. And if the scientists, uh, so their argument also is that there's not enough evidence of interaction between mind and matter. And I'm like, no, there is. If you really, really look, there are scientists who publish papers and articles um, about the interaction of mind and matter, consciousness, intention over a physical object. I mean, um, you have William Tiller, uh, you have, of course, Dean Radin. I mean, there are, these are scientists who studied this phenomenon under laboratory condition, not just like just simple observation to write a paper about it. So, so this phenomenon has been studied, is being studied and taken seriously by some uh, scientists. Yeah, it's but all the majority about, uh, is like, no, no, no. Let's stick to Newtonian's law, uh, Newtonian laws, and uh, at one, Newtonian laws just 
can't explain it. There's, it's just like, you can't use physical laws to explain non-physical quantum things. Yeah. And it really, it's, uh, at this point, it's just a matter of people aren't up to date on the research. You know, um, there's, uh, Dawson Church's book, Mind to Matter, which has, I would say 700 different scientific papers in the citations, right? Just go read those 700 papers and then you'll be up to speed. Like, you know, it's, it's not a matter of there's no evidence. It's just that if you don't think there's evidence, you haven't read the papers probably. Exactly. And that, that was exactly my argument. And uh, so they, they pick up on the one time or something where Uri Geller wanted to prove whatever his psychic abilities on television. I don't know, some, something like that or like spoon. But, you know, they pick on a couple of like bad, badly represented uh, experiments that were done publicly and that's it. They dismiss the whole phenomenon and they don't understand that these laws are subjective but they are laws in other words the fact that i can move an object today you know five degrees but tomorrow i'll move it 20 degrees but then the third day i can't move it but then the fourth day i can move it again you know 10 degrees so the fact first of all the fact that i moved it once (laughs) under vacuum vacuum we're talking not touching or moving air molecules or whatever just right there should be an anomalous phenomenon. You know what I mean? So the fact that you're repeating it, but on some days where I'm not really concentrating or whatever, I don't do it. So do you dismiss the hundred other times where, where I did it? You see what I mean? So that's kind of what they're doing to try to look away, uh, for, you know, away from this whole subject. And I, you know, I can speak personally of probably as recently as seven or eight years ago, if you would have brought this, you know, whatever it was, maybe remote viewing or ETs, I kind of would have just been like, if someone was telling me about it, I would have just dismissed them, dismissed them as fringe or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's still, it's still easy. You know, if you're, if you're not interested in something, you can just dismiss, dismiss it until you are yeah. interested Um, you were talking about this, which was which was fantastic from superhumans, where you did remote telekinesis yeah. under closely monitored vacuum conditions. Yeah. Yes. 
So this is you're you're spinning an object in a vacuum chamber from yes. across the world. Yes. Yes. Go explain that. And if That's I did that only once, I don't have to do it every day. I don't have to do it 10 times. Of course, you want repeatable results. But how is if if um, it's not a magnetic field because I'm not in close proximity, I can't I'm not moving air molecules because, well, first of all, I'm not there. And, and the, there's no air because of the it's a vacuum. Uh, the temperature is not changing. So because the, we're measuring the temperature. So what is it? you see. And so, so that's why, you know, also people really need to watch that film, uh, you know, on camera in um, also we, every single time we do controls, we take measurements over and over, over a period of time. And then we see the exact time correlation when your consciousness is, I'm not the only one. There are many experiments like this, you know, people just need to take the time to, to research that. And so, um, but this is the first time that I've seen it in film in this format. So that's why Superhuman 2 is, is a first in a way. Um, so I'm very excited about that one as well. And it's doing very well. Mm, I good, get, good I'm curious about your experience because just from Superhuman, I get texts and emails from all around the world, from people from like different backgrounds mm -hmm. uh, who tell me, and I'm talking lawyers, judges, mayors, you know, politicians, uh, uh, you know, uh, doctors, regular doctors, like MDs, mm -hmm. uh, police officers, you know, the type of people that you would think are by the book even scientists too and uh and then they they would tell me in the in the message uh i saw your film and it triggered something i remember that i had this experience and that experience and blah blah, blah and it opened my mind to... and so i'm ecstatic because we always dismiss these things that happen to us like oh that was a coincidence oh that can't be like what you know like I just thought of something and the guy just called okay it's a coincidence I saw something that was going to happen and it did uh, I don't know what but come on too many people and too many times you can't ignore it so yeah that's what the other film does but I'm curious what was the event for you that changed it well, I'll tell you about that in a second. But after the film, I just want to share with you that we uh, we just made some of those side wheels and we sat down and played with them. I have two little kids, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And we just um, started trying to see if we could turn them. And a, and a couple times, I could feel the link between yes. me and the side wheel. And I was like, ah. And, and it's, a, it's a very specific feeling of connection in a way. Um, and, and the way that I was approaching it was like trying to imagine myself as this, as the wheel spinning. So what would it feel like for me to be that wheel spinning? And then it would kind of like give a little spin for us. And it was so easy. I, I just loved like how accessible it was for all three of us to get a little bit of movement from these wheels on our first try with no practice. 
Yeah. And so now, of course, we teach that um, uh, we did that on camera with this, uh, the guest at the time. Um, and she had never done anything like this before. She was never trained. She didn't even know like what to expect. And we just trained her in two hours. We were like, you know, this is it. And she figured that out herself. What you're just talking about, the connection. Mm-hmm. So first, like she, she she didn't know, and and then the she the second she was inspired to um to talk to them, like to say, you know, piece of paper, uh, I want you to rotate or whatever. So she made it very personal. She created a personal connection. And said, I'm going to call, I don't remember the names, actually, I'm going to call, I'm going to call, there was two, two of them rotating. I'm going to call one, I don't know, Bob and Juliet or something, something like, I don't remember. And what that did was established a, a personal connection of some sort, as opposed to, I am separate from this physical world in front of me. It's more like, oh, my energy is is connected to these physical objects and I know who they are it's Bob and Juliet or something, you know whatever <laughs> so by by doing that you know it, it was a different it started to respond and then the second it was like we were like it was still 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 for like 20 minutes and we're rolling cameras you know like it's like I'm looking at the budget and at the clock you know <laughs> rolling six cameras from all angles nothing's happening for like 20 minutes and then the second she says, I'm just going to give it love, love. I love you. She starts saying love. The second she says love and that thing started to spin like crazy. It was like crazy. So there is something happening with the energy and the connection. And it's, it's a good reminder for me every time I try to do one of these things and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I'm kind of forcing it. I'm pushing. It doesn't work. There's uh, the element of love, but also just the sort of very relaxed focus that seems so important to to getting these effects. Is that how you did it when you were spinning them? What's your approach to spinning a a wheel? Yeah, so I have a very, I'm very methodical. Like I, I like things very organized because I've created so many methods for, for meditation, all kinds of things. So for this one, um, first of all, there's a specific way to meditate, to prepare yourself, um, a, a specific meditation that I call connecting to source. It's on my website. It's free of charge, but it kind of creates this, this very specific alignment and it raises your vibration and it keeps you concentrating on the object. And then I also address all sorts of subconscious beliefs and thoughts before you do anything. Because if, if you're saying, oh, I'm going to spin this object, I'm going to do this and that, I'm going to bend the spoon. And then your subconscious mind is saying, I'll never do this. This, this will never work. I'm not able, whatever. So you're, you're kind of sending two conflicting signals to what it is, whatever it is that you're trying to do. And so I have a method where we bring up all of the subconscious thoughts and beliefs that could be standing in the way, mm. release those, get you to a place of being 100% aligned and believing and feeling align that with proper feeling and then you intend for whatever it is that you want to see happen and then this is where the relaxation happens. is that you just allow you just pull back and you just 
expect nothing. So it's, it's really very methodical. It's very specific in the way I go about it. And something like that could be applied to if, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and these beliefs, they, these, these barriers that you, you might not even be aware of, that can just get, you know, stop you in your tracks from earning money or, or creating a film or whatever it might be. Um, so I'd love that you're, you know, just clearing these hurdles out of the way. Exactly. So I have a whole, it's called the creative formula. It's like very specific. Hmm. First is your energy. Also the way you articulate your intention, you know, you'd be surprised how many people say, Oh, I want a new house or I want to attract money or I want money or, you know, I want a new career or whatever, but the way, like they don't know how to specifically articulate it. So the intention, uh, the words that you use, the feelings, you know, and the belief, I want to do this, but I can't, you know, I'm a failure. I failed before. All of this is you. It's you wanting to do something. So you're putting all of you, who you are into that creation. And if some of you is not aligned, it's, it's going in, in the opposite direction. It's just not going to happen. So it's, it's, uh, it's called the creative formula. It's very popular on my website oh excellent uh what is what is your website well it's actually carolinecorey.com uh it will take you to the omnium website which has a ton of uh free stuff on my youtube but classes and sessions and training so you have the training uh, that we've been talking about also remote viewing and also the blindfold you know doing the training with the blindfolds and uh i mean it's like, I think there's like 600 classes and sessions. On <laughs> that's, uh, that's quite a lot. Um, I was, uh, I was browsing through that section and I noticed the training for kids, which I was especially yes. interested in, given what um, I'm playing around with my own kids. Could you say any more about what that program is? Yeah, so what's what I love about uh, this program, the kids are so easy. I mean, you give them a mask and you tell them and then you you just uh, tell them to just relax and have fun. And then you 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 grab a piece of paper or color paper or what have you and you say, okay, t- tell me what you what you see. And they just tell you, you know, it's Whereas like an adult would be like, what do you mean? I can't see anything, (laughs) you know, and how does that work? And she's crazy or whatever. And so, so the process with kids is totally different. It's organic. It's simple. And they like 99% of the time from the first or the second session, they can see colors. Uh, Then they end up reading they end up uh, being able to see also in another room, you know, remotely behind their head, behind their back. Um, so it's super easy. And I think the session for kids is only four classes or something, four or six classes, just because they're so fast. The adults, on the other hand, <laughs> it's a whole different. I mean, that's the reason why uh, I mentioned earlier, you have to go through because the, the, the adult's going to be like, this is not going to work. doesn't make sense. Da, da, da. You have to address all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think also there's something in the age range. I feel like 
you know, from maybe five to nine, I believe, you know, even younger, um, the, the brain functions very differently. The learning process is very different as well. So that also allows, other than the belief systems, but also in general, children are just like sponges and it's just so easy. Mm. What have you learned from observing how these kids go about uh, things? That, he, that adults are complicated. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, they complicate things. And also the more uh, they, you know, they, they advance in age, um, the belief system gets so piled up that, that this is how patterns are created. And once patterns are created, it's almost like you have to uncreate what you created before you can uh, defy the laws, you know, the, because what, this is exactly what we're doing. We're telling the brain to read without physical eyes. So technically that, that shouldn't happen, <laughs> you know, because you see with physical or without light because you're supposed, you see because light is bouncing off an object and then it's transferred back to your, into your eyes. So then you see, but if it's total darkness, technically you shouldn't see. Mm -hmm. And so this is a crazy, you know, reprogramming for the brain. So the adults have to undo all sorts of patterns before they can get there yeah and if i'm correct you uh you were measuring brainwave activity and in the optic nerve or the part of the brain that parses the the visual cortex um was lighting up with the blindfold is that right yeah, so we we noticed that a part of the brain was behaving as if uh, there was light, even though there was no light. And the analytical part of the brain, when you read, you know, there's parts of the brain that fires, you know, it was, it, it looked like it was, uh, I mean, it was behaving as if you were actually reading, even though the, I mean, the person was reading, but it was total darkness. So the brain was functioning as if there was light, even though there was no light. Wow. And Which this is, is the blindfold reading uh, yeah. in, in, in both kids and adults? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those who can do it eventually. Uh, but most kids can do it, like I said. And so, so people, you know, please, like those who are just listening to this and going, oh, it's fake or blah, blah, blah. Or no, it's not. Because we have, we've demonstrated it in actually in a live conference online. Uh, I have that on my website. I mean, you literally, you have the kids and an adult, actually. Uh, we demonstrated with them. They close their eyes. There is a tape. There's another tape. And then the mask. There's like okay. literally black masking tape, you know, and the eyes are shut because, you know, it's like, so, so it's uh, what I'm saying is like for people to say, oh, you know, maybe there's like a hole somewhere. No. Yeah. And the more you, um, you know, the more you repeat these, right. And the, then statistical significance comes into play. Exactly. Um, yeah, um, I wanted I wanted to circle back. You said something about uh, a couple times, like, "Oh, these cameras are rolling; it's getting expensive." You said you funded the films. Um, 
I, I was kind of curious. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the model for how you run uh, your life, all your endeavors that, that sort of fuels, funds everything you want to do? I mean, it took me a long time to get to this, but, uh, you know, because I started out teaching all this material and doing classes and stuff, but that's not enough to fund big projects like this. So, um, I, you know, so I had sponsors in the beginning who supported me to put movies out. And then eventually those movies started to be successful that eventually I started to be independent where I would whatever income I would get I would just reinvest in a project and so on and so forth and so now it's kind of like that's what uh, I mean I still need uh, sponsors sometimes especially when it's a very big project mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, it's mostly my uh, my my savings basically <laughs> yeah cool I, and one of the questions I had was yeah, because I know some blockbuster movies make a lot of money, but I didn't really know, you know, documentaries of the type that you're making, can they be profitable? Well, it depends. Um, most documentaries out there are very cheaply made, if you mm. notice, uh, especially in the UFO world. I'm not talking about the big, you know, kind of serious BBC kind of uh, research, not the or National Geographic. I'm talking about the independent uh, films, most of them are very cheaply made. And usually, I mean, I, it depends, but you could eventually make your money back. I like to keep the production value very high. I mean, you saw my last film, especially this film. I mean, we were filming with red cameras, you know, for people who know it's the top, you know, types of cameras. Um, we had maybe 10 cameras running at the same time because we were in multiple locations. Um, everything from sound editing, to sound design to everything is top, top notch. Um, and so, so, so I like to keep that quality again, because it's not out there. So all of this costs money, but it's representative of my work. You know, I feel like I don't want to, so, so it takes me longer to make the money back but um, I feel like I'm on a roll now because I'm putting out material that's never been seen before. The angle is very fresh, very different. Science, you know, trying to make the paranormal normal, you know, using science, using real life experiments on camera, um, all of that, that sort of validation, it hasn't happened in this way, in this type of format. So on top of this, if it's well-made quality-wise, you know, production-wise, uh, it, it even, you know, it's even more. Um, so anyway, to answer your question, um, it's harder for me to make back the money, but I eventually do. Um, and that's what's been helping me so yeah, far yeah. with a couple of sponsors here and there when needed. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, and and I'm asking just because a lot of people listen to this show, people that I work with, it's helpful to understand, right? Once you can get things in a, in a self-sustaining way and right, the whole thing can, can grow organically. Um, but getting the, getting things into momentum in that, in that way um, is, 
is important. So, so your sponsors were these like personal sponsors or, or organizations or um, what types of sponsors are we talking about to, to get things started? Actually, it's, it's all um, sponsors. All the sponsors are people who have uh, studied with me that have seen me mm. lecture and they've taken classes and that or sessions and they very much believe in my work because it's helped them they've improved their lives they've healed from things or and so um so that's the reason why they genuinely believe in mm. my work and some of them are well off and so they sometimes approach me and say, is there something I can do, you know, because you helped me, I changed my life. And so that's kind of the type of sponsors I have not, I've had a couple of sponsors come, like I didn't know who, like more investors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I personally like didn't want to go there. It doesn't feel, it just felt very business-like, very transactional. And I try to keep it more energy-based, you know, like, we're in this together, those who believe in it, you know, it's your um, way of contributing. So it just feels more based on truth and love and support, you know, as opposed to like, you know, this investor. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that that's, I've been able to, to do it that way so far. And I'm very grateful. Yeah, I was just, just two days ago, I was chatting with Jason Shurka, who has the, the unified TV platform and then his unified social and a lot of the films and documentaries he's producing are funded by the memberships, you know, and it's, he said, I have this toroidal structure in mind where, you know, we're giving value, people are exchanging money for the value and we then turn around to use that money to create more of these documentaries that are valuable. So it's a, a circular system. Yes. That- you know, it's so funny you mentioned Jason. Of all the people you mentioned, Jason <laughs> Cherka. I mean, it's crazy. You see how the universe works because I just get an email uh, from my PR, you know, the people who are helping book me on shows and stuff mm. like that. And uh, and Jason Cherka was one of the people that booked somebody else, my cast another cast member who's not into consciousness and stuff like that. They like, they're very sciencey. So I told them to tell Jason that it's more appropriate that I talk about the kind of stuff that he talks. So it's funny that, you know, just now, literally of all the hosts and all the people (laughs) like you're mentioning, Oh, I just emailed Jason Shurka. So, so because the PR team doesn't know exactly who's what it's, whoever's is available or something like that. So I told them to tell Jason, but I don't know where the message got. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's, it's a community, right? A lot of these um, people with these platforms, I'm starting to realize as I, you know, my show, this show, the Derek Lauderbunk show started off as more entrepreneurship Mm. more on the digital nomad adventure travel freedom lifestyles type of thing and this goes back to your question about what what some of my experiences were and i've had several um the one that i feel called to share with you is we were living in portugal uh, at the time and every night i was dreaming of crop circles and i would wake Mm -hmm. up and i'd be like wow what a beautiful dream 
and I would ignore it. And then again and again and again. And finally, I was like, okay, Google crop circles. What the heck are crop circles? Oh, you mean you didn't even know of crop circles? Uh, I just was sort of aware that they existed, but I didn't know anything about them. Wow. I had seen the National Geographic Geographic article like, hey, crop circle tourism is a thing. And that's as far as I knew. So I started researching after these dreams, what are they? How are they formed? You know, what, what do we think they are? And they are so fascinating and very linked with the UFO phenomenon. You know, as soon as I started researching crop circles, I started watching footage of UFOs. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I understand. You know, it's not always just a UFO coming and making a crop circle, but <clears throat> these other beings, interdimensional consciousness, uh, all started coming together uh, to wow. me. That's when I started listening to channels for the first time. Um, so yeah, wow. I kind of put all the pieces wow. together for me. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to tell me this is not, you know, just our conversation, you know, you mentioned this guy out of nowhere, I just happened. And then, you know, you're minding your own business and you dream about, I mean, come on, there is a mechanism behind all of this that's bigger than us. And that is consciousness. It's because we're operating from the level of consciousness. We're not operating from this brain. There's something uh, you are universal consciousness. I am universal content. All consciousness is entangled behind the scenes. There's no question in my mind. And information travels everywhere and, and uh, can be anywhere, everywhere at once. Um, and that, that explains telepathy, teleportation, you know, you dreams, all sorts of stuff. I don't get it why like scientists don't want to look into that. I mean, you think it's so fascinating, you know what I mean? They just want like a hard thing, like a something to hold on to, which is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And that's, you know, I've been there, uh, you know, really looking at, I was looking under the microscope all the time and um, looking at my little, little viruses and, and bugs and whatnot. Um, remote viewing is uh, one of those things that I feel like is pretty accessible, pretty easily validated. Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could have this person in a room, remote viewing uh, a known location, right? We know exactly what's right. there and they can describe everything that's there. And then you can be right. like, yes, you know, it, it matches the checklist of what we know is already there. Right. Or, I mean, you can easily test it, you know, yeah. you can have somebody go to another room. You don't know, you've never been to that room, but you can just describe what's there and then you can go check it, you know? So it's very verifiable, you know, remote viewing. And uh, so we did that in the film and superhuman, but also uh, for people who don't know, the government, you know, was uh, using remote viewing to spy on a different country. And so it started out with the Russians and then the U.S. said, wait a minute, like we we need to be doing (laughs) we need to be spying on them. And so they're training soldiers to use their psychic abilities to remote view, to to spy psychically on uh, the the military bases in Russia. So and they did that for 20 years, 20 years. I mean, if it's not, if it doesn't work, like, why are they bothering with, you know, they, they could just say, this is crazy, woo-woo stuff, forget it. 
but they were getting real data there you know they were actually drawing the exact shape of the building the entrance the exit you know where the offices are where things are it's crazy it does work and it's verifiable and that i i can't remember who was talking about this but then they have the you know the defensive psychic defenders right to try to block the other people who are remote viewing so you're i did you that know, you did i did that in the, the movie oh, in the oh movie. no 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 oh. no no in the movie i demonstrated that ah i i don't remember that part oh tell me about the military wait wait tell me about oh, the military yeah so so you have your your team of psychic spies right and then you have your defensive unit which is trying to intercept the other psychic spies oh. and obscure their uh, viewing yeah and so so when i i did that with paul smith paul smith was one of the officers in uh the army at the time who, who trained the soldiers mm. so he was in the program it's called the stargate program for those who want to look it up and so he's in my film uh in the scene in the remote viewing scene and i told paul because i i believe in the whole consciousness and ability to 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 do this but to also potentially block so i told paul i said well we can demonstrate you know if if uh, it was rachel um in the movie who was in sitting in the room with him and i went to an, another location that she's never been to she had no idea in fact she was in a different state we brought her where we were filming so she had no idea about anything it could have been in a mcdonald's you know it could have been anywhere and so so anyway i am at this location and i told paul at one point i want to try to block it block her and he said no it doesn't really work and you know because i don't know what we've tried it didn't work so we'll, we'll try you know it's if it doesn't work it doesn't work so, so here I am in the, the other location and I'm like touching things, I'm seeing things and observing things. And she is trying to remotely, psychically view what I was doing and what yeah. I was looking at. And so, so she's like writing one thing after another and drawing things exactly like I'm holding on at, uh, I'm holding on to bars, like hard metal bars. And she's like, I mean, it was crazy, the correlation, all the things that she was seeing. And then at one point, I sit down and I try to block her, right? And, and so I put myself in a shield and I said, now she can't see anything. And literally, you, you, could, you should see it like simultaneously. She's drawing stuff and writing stuff. And all of a sudden, she's like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, it was like hilarious, you know, to see it. The time crawl exactly at that time. She's like, I'm not getting any more. Wow. Like, she was like blank. So that is kind of interesting as well to show that how conscious of your intention. So all I did was my intention. My intention was to block like anything that would come my way would be totally blocked blank. And it worked. It wow. Incredible. That's, uh, first of all, I mean, it's just fun. Like I can see, you know, you're, you're smiling about this. It's fun to like, yeah, let's, let's see if I can and, and just play around with this stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it also reminded me of another story, a similar story. Um, uh, Elizabeth April, uh, who's a, he's, she's a channel, a psychic. She's been on the show recently. 
she was telling me the story about she was remote viewing no she called it astral projecting i believe because she mm, said yeah. she was walking around area 51 in an astral body right. and there were these astral military units that kicked her out like they picked oh. her astral body and like flung it out of the base and she landed back in her material wow. body and she was like upset at them she's like you you don't do that to me so she went back uh <laughs> cloaked and found out you know who who every everybody was and um found the like room where the military personnel was kind of in their trance state so she found their their bodies in addition to finding their astrally projected bodies really interesting stuff wow that's yeah pretty wild also about people meeting in dreams and stuff like that yeah it's fascinating fascinating but um yeah so some people call it astral travel they do it differently i i do different techniques of remote viewing sometimes it's not so much like the military does it's it's a different type so everybody has their own technique whatever works as long as it's accurate you know that's another thing to know exactly how to do it and to always do it in a safe way, you know, not kind of like, oh, I'm just going to leave my body and go float around. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, you have to know exactly how to do it and stay protected. I am rereading the Carlos Castaneda books right now. And the, the teacher, Don Juan, says, uh, never let anyone know where my body is. Mm. Uh, especially other sorcerers and you know because it's like he doesn't want to be if he's traveling on some other plane he doesn't want someone to mess with his actual body right um where it is uh could you talk a little bit about the technique that that you use to get into a state where you can remote view yeah. like what's the induction process like well, the preparation is a little bit like what I was talking about before. You have to, you know, be in a meditative state, concentrate, and more importantly, you have to bring up all the subconscious stuff, know how to release it. So you have to, every time you want to do anything, you have to do all of those steps, you know, which, which most of the time is ignored. Like, for example, the military, you just have to quiet down and then you just write the first thing that comes to mind. It's very, very different. And so, so then once you are in that state and you, you cleared everything else out, of course, you put yourself in a bubble. That's the protective shield. And uh, people should, I mean, I work with the planetary grid. So um, the, these, again, going back to these nodes, right? There are specific nodes and coordinates that are everywhere. And so you kind of, if you don't know your higher self nodes, basically you uh, find the closest coordinate to your physical location where you are. And that particular node can take you to any node, you know, around the planet. Mm. And so, yeah, because it's all it's instantaneous basically and so you don't know exactly like the coordinates just above area 51 but your higher consciousness does all you have to do is your intention put yourself in the node that's the closest to your physical location and instantaneously it will take you to the coordinates of 
uh, that's right above or below whatever it is that you want to do, area 51, the closest one, because you're navigating uh, the time-space continuum. And well, actually it's three grids within a grid. Uh, there's a whole thing that I talk about in my other films, um, but people can also go to my YouTube channel and, uh, and just find the video called planetary grid. And then you'll see all of these network, you know, basically this geometry, three grids within one large grid and all these nodes, these nodes are intersection points, vertex points where you are outside time space. If you're outside time mm, space, then yeah. you can be anywhere and everywhere instantaneously, just like that. So that's kind of how I do it. It's very technical. My stuff is very technical and it's very precise. It's not just like, oh, think of love. And then like, you know, just imagine you're there and that's, I mean, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just saying that's how I work. It's very, very specific. And because I see the subtle energy, like I can see your energy, exactly what it's doing. And then when we're working together, I can see if you're, if you're doing it correctly, or I can see what you're focused on. So I can tell you, okay, you're focused on, you're distracted here. You're thinking of your father right now or something mm. like that. Right. And so I can, so then you bring back your focus. So, so I guide in a certain way because I can also see very clearly. And then I can see where you're going and how you're like, how you wow. are moving. Your, yeah. Okay. Let's say someone's thinking about their father. How how do you perceive that? So like right now I can see, uh, actually I do see that your, your father is around actually. So, so it's kind of, does that make sense? You're smiling. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, but I see like, because I don't know your father, I, I don't know what he looks like and I don't, I don't know, but you, I read the information the way you relate to your father. That's why I know it's your father because, because I'm reading your consciousness. Hmm. And so if you're thinking about the person that you call your father, then if I'm, and I'm tuning into you, then I'm going to say it's your father. Does that make sense? Even though I never met them. Sorry about that. <clears throat> I never met them. You, I, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't recall that I was actively thinking about my dad before you <laughs> said, you know, thinking about your father, but then of course I was thinking about him. Um, so he's uh, occupying a big part of your brain there for a while. I don't know what's going on, but he's definitely there. That's fascinating. Um, would you be willing to, um, I don't know, is there a way that we can experience your expertise? Like either, <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, that's really cool that you're seeing something in my field. Uh, is there any now it feels like I'm asking you to do a party trick, but like, can, can you share, <laughs> can you share anything of your uh, abilities with, with our audience? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I can do all sorts of stuff. Usually, but usually I do, yeah, I mean, I do this to, for a purpose, like, you know, are you blocked somewhere? Is there something that's troubling you or, you know, this, that you're struggling with, you know? And so what happens is then, then I can read the information and, give you the root cause uh and it's usually i mean something like that is probably more helpful you know that 
um, because I'm literally looking into your, your subconscious mind. If, if it's a conscious thing, then you wouldn't have a problem with it. The fact that you're stuck, I'm not saying you're stuck. I'm just saying in general, if you're stuck on an issue, it means there is a root cause that you're not aware of, because if you're aware of it, then you wouldn't have the issue. Does that make sense? So, so as you're telling me, I'm stuck with relationships or money or my mother or whatever, um, then I can see, I can read the information in your subconscious mind and help you clear that. Okay. Maybe you could, okay. If, if my dad just popped up into my subconscious and you picked up on that, uh, can you discover any more about, about why he, he was in that part of my brain or whatever you were seeing? I don't know. For some reason, like the first thing is like, uh, he's very like making cheese. He wants to be very present. And I feel like this is turning into a session, but, <laughs> but it's a little bit, I feel like he wants to make sure you're okay. I don't know. He's like, there's this protective, um, like I'm here, I'm present. You know, he keep it's, he's very like mm -hmm. wanting care, like a uh, really concern um about you and uh just kind of he wants to be integrated in your life kind of like he wants to be very present and i mean that's kind of the energy that i'm pick up picking up yeah uh, with your dad is that making sense at all or uh it's nice to think about um <laughs> I, i'm i'm gonna play this for him and see see what he says um we <laughs> for a long time i was traveling living in different countries around the world and uh, when we had our kids, we came back here to the same city, St. Louis, where where I grew up and where they still live. And so he, mm. we see them now. We see them, um, you know, for for family dinners, and um, they get to hang out with the kids, their their grandkids. And so it's it's been really nice having them back in my lives, my parents, um, yeah. both. And uh, there's some statistic, right? When people leave for college they've already spent, you know, 90% of the time that they ever will with their parents. And it's, oh my gosh, you know, in the next 50 years, I'll only see my parents uh, one week a year. So yeah, I, I've been thinking about that recently, you know, like how wonderful it is to be a parent and, and, and hang out with your own parents. Um, He's very now. present. And I feel like he wants to take advantage of every minute of the day. He wants to be there for you. Like it's very positive. It's nice, but it's mm. very like a little bit too close, like a little bit. It's, nobody should be uh, inside your field. They should be on the outside. And right now he's like in your brain. So um, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and And I would say that that's uh, subconscious or unconscious because in normal interactions he's like the perfect amount of engaged oh but his heart he's like he's like he's really wants like he can't believe like how yeah he's very huh. he wants to make sure you're gonna be okay kind of like yeah okay. ask him <laughs> I will. yeah that's uh 
Yeah, but this is sharing. a positive thing. But usually we, like I said, it's not to get into negative things, but usually like this is helpful. Like I said, for people when, if they're struggling with something, they can't figure it out because they've worked on this and they've, and so, so then I can see like a root cause of the issue in the subconscious very quickly. And that kind of helps release it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of curious, um, you know, you mentioned these sponsors uh, because they they believed in your work. And so before you were even making films, you had, I don't know, decades perhaps of doing healing work and helping see in yeah. the subconscious. Um, could you talk a little bit about how you started making films? How you made that transition? Yeah, so actually, like you were saying, I think 2005 is when I started. I wrote a couple of books. And then I started teaching publicly, you know, before I was just kind of working with friends and stuff. And so, um, and so I created all these methodologies and I was doing workshops and uh, sessions and lectures and things like that. That's why I have this massive library. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's like, uh, and so, because it's all these different methodologies. And so, and I was also training people to do what I do because it was very effective and we were getting validation. Like, like I was saying, so somebody would come, I mean, it was from simple thing. I mean, simple, it's not simple, but you know, patterns like stuck with money issues or relationship issues or whatever issues and things would clear very quickly to serious things like cancer and things like that. Now, having said that uh, not because we've cleared even phase four cancer in some, some cases that uh, everyone is going to clear because again, it depends on the individual, you know, it's like we, we do the energy or we help with the energy um, and clear the root cause of the subconscious, but then the person needs to continue with the same intention and things like that. But anyway, the point being we've clear, I've helped so many people clear very serious stuff from mental, emotional to physical and with great results. And, um, and so because of that, I wanted to then validate the connection between uh, consciousness and the physical world. So I started working with scientists on the side and doing experiments um, like, like remotely. Can I, well, because I was doing sessions remotely and so it was kind of the same thing. What well, can I affect an object remotely? So if I, if I can see your energy field, but can I move an object that's there? Like, how does that work? So I started to figure out myself, is it the same principle? Do I do something different? Anyway, so I started experimenting with different scientists and like we were affecting, you know, electrical devices. They were going nuts and electronic device. So, so something was happening. And that gave me the confidence that this is measurable and then we can actually show it on camera. So, so I researched the, that subject in terms of filmmaking from a film perspective. Is there wasn't really, there was tons of people telling us the mind creates and positive this and we're all, I mean, there's a lot of on the subject, but nothing that shows what that was and so that convinced me that 
um, not everybody wants to study. Not everybody wants to read books and take workshops. You know, a film is much easier to digest. So that's how I started making films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm from the show me state. Missouri, our motto is the show me state. And there's a certain... <laughs> percentage of the population that just wants to see it first and then they can start believing uh and then they can go and create their own experiences you know the lived feeling of of trying some of these things um that reminded me of the ph uh the ph effects yeah that you can measure which is pretty remarkable yeah the ph i did the ph experiment long distance the first time because the scientists i was in i don't remember where I think I was in LA and he was in San Francisco or something or anyway. So we like the scientist I was working with wasn't in the same area. And I said, well, let's try long distance because we've tried other things long distance and we had effects. And and again, for people who are listening, you know, we do controls, you know, we take the measurement, the pH of water over a period of time and a few hours before then exactly, let's say at three o'clock, I try to, look at it and say well ph change up or down or whatever and so um so um sure enough it would it would change but it wasn't huge it wasn't significant it would change enough to show okay well there is an effect uh so we did that several times and we also experimented with different types of water like should we use uh you know spring water should we use distilled water should we you know so we like we tested different things to know why this works what you know and then we were consistent you know because that's how you you study scientifically and so so I did that for a while and even though the effect wasn't huge but it was enough and so then I said I'm going to put that in the film and then when I, I went and I worked with him in person and the effect was much stronger. In this mm. case, it was a little stronger. And so that's how we, we did it in the film. We, and in the film, actually, the time that we did it was pretty significant. It was a whole decimal, uh, which is a lot to, which to is, bring. Yeah. On the pH scale, decimal. it's actually ten, tenfold. It's, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. And so we did that on camera as well, uh, which was crazy. So. Great. And so you're making the water more acidic or basic just with your intent. Exactly. And if you are made of water, mostly water, it means that you can change uh, the acid alkaline balance in your body, which we know is very related to viruses and bacteria and and your health in general. Yeah. So just think about that. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Gosh, uh, this is this is really enjoying talking about all this stuff. Uh, I want to be mindful of your your time, and so perhaps um, if the, if there's anything that I haven't asked you about, uh, maybe especially in terms of your most recent film that you'd love to share, um, I'll just open it up. To, well, to- I mean, you know, people. I just feel that everybody should watch that film because it's a breakthrough. I mean, no one's ever done. never done anything like this before not even the government you know so we're ahead of the game in actually measuring things and uh you know bringing so much data measurable data to the public and those who are not necessarily into ufos you know it's more about the mechanics of the universe what's even allowing anomalies to happen 
and you know it just always reminds you of our place in the universe you know so um that's the reason why i feel whether you're into the subject or not the way we've done it and the implications are so huge that uh, i really would love for people to just watch it for themselves um, and just so just go to etereinthesky.com. It's mostly available. I mean, it's a little bit everywhere. Amazon is very popular. iTunes is popular. But um, if they if they are in different parts of the country or the world, um, just go to the website etereinthesky.com and then they'll see where they can watch it. So I'm very excited about that. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for for doing this, leading the way, you know, we need, uh, we need Mavericks. We need lead, lead investigators, people that uh, probably have been talking about doing this stuff. And I'm, and I'm happy you're making it happen. Thanks so much for having me. That was awesome, Derek. Yeah. Thanks, Caroline. <laughs>